This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But we need to talk some cricket with Daniel McCarty because he is part of the SENZ Cricket Commentary team, part of the SEN cricket team for the next couple of matches with the Test Series to get underway tomorrow at the Basin Reserve in Wellington, one of the most beautiful cricket grounds you will find anywhere in the world. I'm very jealous I'm not there, but Daniel will be, and he joins us now on Dwayne's World. G'day, Daniel. Good afternoon. Lovely to be with you, and I, unlike your last call, I won't ask you how you're doing. No, no. Well, I'm always good. I'm always good. <laughs> uh, but not as good as you getting ready for... Australia and New Zealand. This is this is really is shaping to be a, a terrific test series. It should be more than two, but it's better than none. Uh, that is correct, and and thankfully, sort of common sense is providing that you know longer term. I think we when we hit Australia ahead, it might even be four tests. So we've been crying out for that. I, I think you get a true sort of uh, reflection on on how sides are over three test matches. And but unfortunately, when you, when you bring a water pistol to a gunfight, as far as <laughs> New Zealand tends to do, because we're you know, the tyranny of distance and also the fact there's only five million of us. Um, sometimes we, we've, um, uh, had to, we've had to basically lump it, really. Uh, two, that series has been far too uh, common in, in our history. Um, but it's a wonderful test for New Zealand and uh, the whole sort of New Zealand cricketing fan base is on edge, full of excitement, optimism, but also, you know, there'll be, there'll be a fair bit of terror and dread in there because Australia really have um, dominated New Zealand. Unfortunately, New Zealand far and frequently um, have played near their capacity, and they need to. They need to if to beat the world champions. If, if New Zealand play near their best and lose, I think we can stomach it. But uh, if we get a repeat of, say, 2019, where we seemingly almost had stage fright in Australia, um, I, I think New Zealand fans will take it, uh, you know, take it rather poorly, we might say. Daniel, I wanted to ask you about that. Do you think they do get stage fright when they play Australia? Because there's been plenty of examples where New Zealand have got themselves into winning positions, not just in uh, test matches, but across all forms of, of the game, but but seem to lack that killer punch when, when time's, time's nigh to, to put Australia away. Do, do you think it is as much a mental as a physical thing? Without um, having a you know a psychology degree and actually speaking <laughs> to players individually, uh, you know just from an outsider um, looking at it, I, I can't help but think yes. I, um, I, I just think too often, too often we we don't see New Zealand quite play at their best. I I, I think of maybe not the the most recent T20 series where it was a cracking game one. New Zealand simply don't have the depth of Australian cricket, and that was shown in game two and game three when. We went deep into the well, but I think back at the previous Chapel Hadley series, uh, when New Zealand just hardly fired a shot, um, and the way they sort of unravelled in 2019, when they've been on the back of a very, very good patch of form and have have 
and still have some very, very fine cricketers, some all-time greats as far as his own cricket is concerned. It, it does seem maybe those uh, top few, uh, few inches is what's costing them. Uh, and, and I'll repeat, if they can just show Australia their best, I think we're, we're in for a very, very good series. So tell us about the New Zealand bowling attack because it is a little bit different. We always think of Southie and Trent Bolt. Southie's there, Trent Bolt's not. But, uh, you know, Henry's another one that we know a little bit about. But there's a, there's another one that is coming through that hasn't played a lot of test cricket but it certainly has Australia on their toes. Explain a little bit more, please. Uh, you're talking about Willow Rourke there. Yes, uh, I am, two, yes. So I, I, th- I think there's huge disappointment from a New Zealand perspective that Kyle Jamieson yep. is just not there. Um, sort of shades of Shane Bond, his career. He's only played 19 tests, 80 test wickets at 19. Just remarkable. Um, and the way he's performed, uh, helping New Zealand win, I think over half of those test matches he's played. He's sort of a unicorn, 2 metres 03, can bowl fuller than most, but can swing it both ways at a good pace. And I was thinking if he, alongside Willow Rourke and those two very experienced campaigners you've already mentioned in Saudi and Henry, it's a pretty good four-pong pace attack. Now, Willow Rourke is very raw. Um, he's out of, out of uh, Canterbury in the South Island, made his test debut against South Africa, a week in South Africa, that has to be said. But he bowled with good pace. He gets uh, you know, into the 140s. He comes from a very tall height. He's a metre 97, but bowls sort of 12 o'clock on, on, on the dial, if you know what I mean. And he hits that pitch hard and gets some pretty uh, decent bounce and maybe not the lateral movement yet. He, he, I think he still sort of bowls maybe a fraction too short for international cricket. When you play first-class cricket, you can bowl that back of a length and uh, have a lot of joy. So he looked like a quick study, though, um, as things went along against South Africa. He seemingly got the ball up. And he picked up nine test wickets on debut. Um, the best bowling performance, the best return of any New Zealander in the history of men's test cricket. So, uh, cause for optimism because New Zealand do need a point of difference. Uh, Saudi, wonderful campaigner, Henry, but they're not going to frighten anyone with that pace and bounce. They're, all, they're more about the art of seam and swing bowling combined and very good with the new ball especially. But someone to come in... Um, and ruffle a few feathers with, with genuine pace and accuracy, Willow Rourke will have a very, very big job to do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes. So from a, a pitch point of view, whenever we see a pitch in New Zealand, there is obviously a, a significant tinge of green to it. That doesn't necessarily mean it plays like a green monster, but from what you've seen at Wellington in the build-up to the test, what what do you think we'll get? Well, Wellington's probably the, the greatest illustration of that picture you've accurately painted. Uh, often visiting teams will see the, and visiting meter especially, will see the covers pulled back and reveal the green, what they think is a green mumba. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and maybe the other opposition batsman is uh, cited running out of the pace and reserve soon after. Uh, but it, it never tends to play as badly as it look, looks. Uh, New Zealand needs extra grass on the surface because uh, our pitches just don't deteriorate. Uh, we don't have the heat, um, so, so you don't see cracks develop like uh, in Perth, for example. Uh, so New Zealand pitches can be uh, quite docile day three, day four, and sometimes even into day five. You might get a bit of variable bounce. So that's why we tend to leave a bit of grass on the wicket. So at least it, it does provide a fair contest for bat and ball. S- simply look, um, the last two test matches played in Wellington, the homes, uh, sorry, the, the visiting captain sent the opposition in and both got over 400. Uh, England got that in under 90 overs in the last test match. 
Heck, I could even go back to Bangladesh in 2017. They were sent in and got 500. Shakib Al Hassan got 200 backward a point. Um, <laughs> so if you're, if you're good enough to get through the new ball, you, you often hear it, and you probably hear us in our commentary describe it as a new ball wicket. Uh, what I mean by that, you've got to make the most of that, uh, that new cherry when it's uh, fresh and it's hard, and it is offering a little bit of movement. Um, swing bowling can be difficult. That's dependent on conditions. And Wellington's fav- favourite, uh, famous breeze. But it, the, the surface tends to offer good pace and carry. And that's what you want. Uh, and when batsmen get in, they can really make the opposition pay. If you look at the history of the game, you, some enormous partnerships have been uh, seen in Wellington over, over recent years. And generally, sides really have to toil hard for, for 20 wickets in a test match. Uh, and that's why I identify that the, bat, the, the battle between the New Zealand batsmen up against this incredible bowling lineup that Australia will bring as also central um, to two things. So your first glimpse of when you see the basin tomorrow, it won't play as badly. But in saying that, opposition teams will always bowl first. I, I, I can't remember the last captain who, who decided to, to bat first at the basin reserve. Generally, because, you know, if you get it right in that first opening session or two, you, you can really expose uh, the, the middle to lower order on day number one and give your side a great advantage of winning over the longer term. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens at the toss uh, for all the reasons you've just mentioned. Daniel McCarty, uh, SENZ cricket commentator, is joining us on Dwayne's World. I, I want to talk about Devin Conway because he's not going to be playing the first test. Now, I think he's one of the most underrated players uh, international cricketers in the world. He's been so good for New Zealand across multiple forms since he's played for New Zealand. That That's a big loss. It's a huge loss. This was a player who, not too long ago, was averaging 50 in all three yes. at the international level. But uh, for the first time, maybe over the last year, year and a half, he has looked sort of human, has looked fallible. And especially after that magnificent 152 against England to open the one-day World Cup last year, has been in quite a malaise by his very, very high standards. Uh, he scored a 50, his first 50 since that 152 at the first T20 International in Wellington and looked like he was getting somewhere back to his best. And then, unfortunately, as he was wicket-keeping, he suffered that thumb injury, which will keep him out. Uh, I, I find it hard to envision New Zealand winning a series against Australia without Devin Conway having his fingerprints all over the game, if you know what I mean. Yep. Not, not just having him healthy, but having him contribute and uh, scoring big runs. So, uh, you know, all going well with Sam back in Christchurch um, uh, to to get back to his very best because he's a really good player when he gets going. And I, I think all fans on both sides of the Tasman can appreciate uh, when he gets uh, into, into a bit of a groove. Yeah, I agree with you. Before we let you go, what, what do you think will happen? Australia go into the match down on confidence based on, on what happened at the Gabba um, with the West Indies going through them. Shamar Joseph uh, looked, made the batting look pretty brittle. Uh, it's a different-looking Australian top six. Do you, do you think New Zealand have got a chance, or do you think that the Australian bowlers might be just a little bit too good for the New Zealand batsmen? Oh, I, I remember when Australian sides rocked up in the early noughties with the most fair, fair top seven I've ever seen in test match cricket with my own eyes. I'm just talking about when I've been on this mortal coil. I, I don't... And this is all due respect to the current Australian players, fine players. They're just not that that level. I, I don't think so. So maybe South Africa, uh, sorry, uh, the West Indies revealed not a complete soft underbelly, but maybe there's a, a few soft spots in there. 
when I look at Steve Smith still learning his craft as a test opener, yes, I understand he carried his bat in his last test innings in, what, just his fourth innings as a test opener, but the new ball in New Zealand um, is an interesting place for any opener to find themselves. Uh, Cameron Green still sort of um, finding his way. Uh, what Lovie Shane might not be in that sort of Rolls-Royce run-scoring form we saw of maybe a year or two ago. So the belief has got to be there. It has to be there. Um, if they don't have it, don't turn up. But things are going to have to break their way. Um, a true collective effort from the bowling unit. Uh, you can't rely on a Willow Rourke in his second test to, to steamroll the Australians. All the bowlers are going to have to contribute. And then generally, as what happens if New Zealand beat Australia? Someone has to provide a man a match performance, whether it's Glenn Turner scoring hundreds in, our, in both innings of our first ever win. Um, Bruce Egger getting 100, 161. Of course, Richard Hadley in Brisbane picking up, what, 15 wickets in the test. Someone, has, someone is going to have to lay down a world-class performance, but he has to be supported uh, right across the board because Australia, yep, I love, they lost last time out. I get that, but they have to start as pretty warm favourites. Yeah, no, I think you're right, but I, I think it will be quite close. Daniel, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we love watching you with all the all the commentary highlights that we see on social media, and we're going to look forward to listening to you over the next uh, couple of weeks. Brilliant. Can't wait. It's got a wonderful lineup. We're looking forward to welcoming in the SCM boys whenever they arrive into Wellington. Uh, if some are flying to landing today, I can say, oh, the Southerly's rip roaring. It's going to be an absolute beaut landing in Wellington tonight. <laughs> You've done very well doing the interview with the live studio audience there in the background. You did, you did extremely well. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the kids are running rings around me. <laughs> one trying to abseil off the front door. Don't, don't ask me to explain it. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel, Daniel McCarty, joining us there live from New Zealand. So first ball tomorrow from 9 o'clock uh, Eastern Daylight Savings Time. We'll call it that, uh, wherever you might be listening. So Melbourne time, 9 o'clock, will be the first ball. Jared Waitley, Adam Collins and the crew leading the coverage. I reckon Australia will win. I was just trying to be nice to Daniel, but we did see some vulnerability from the batting. Manus Labashain, he's got to turn it around somehow. And I'm so interested to see how, uh, how Steve Smith goes in New Zealand conditions opening the batting. I think there's so much to look forward to over the next couple of weeks. We're going to take a break. And after the break, part of our Melbourne Storm Membership Day, we're very lucky to be joined by the new Melbourne Storm captain, Harry Grant. He'll join us next on Dwayne's World.